0: let's begin welcome to a very special edition of the rv podcast today we are having the first rv book fair our first guest today is michael ross michael shares with us a little bit of his story and his dreams
1: hello everybody my name is michael ross and i'm here to tell you a story and with all good stories they have to have a beginning so Let's start off with the most classic of beginnings you could ever imagine. Once upon a time, there was a little boy who was one year old, whose parents took him all the way over from a cold, wet and windy UK to West Africa, and in particular to Nigeria, the north of Nigeria. There, my father worked on the railways, and we had a five-family coach, if you like, And we travelled to all the district stations so my father could inspect them. But that gave me chance as a very small boy to get out and play. And when we did, and we arrived at a little district station, out from the bush would come little Nigerian children who'd never seen a white man before. They used to shout, Baturi, Baturi. And... Of course, in those days, I had blonde hair, my eyes blue, so they used to look at my hair uh, and and couldn't believe why it was that colour. We even travelled up as far as the beginnings of the Sahara Desert. It was a great time for me as a child. And one thing I remember, even then, was that the children, they had nothing materialistically. But they were happy which just shows you, you know, that uh, we can be happy if we cut back on all the other material things that are flying around in our life. Anyway, so we were there right up to the beginning of the Biafran War, which was a very upsetting time for me, Uh, and we left very quickly and came back over to the UK. By now the war had finished and my parents decided to go back to Nigeria, but I was left at a boarding school in the UK and used to fly back over to Nigeria for the holidays. Now that was great. We had great time then. We then moved from Nigeria to a little island off the coast of Sierra Leone. Uh, And that was another experience for me. But whatever happens, I was thrust into this world of different colours and of different cultures, of food and of the weather. And particularly in the early days in Nigeria, I was in a village where there were very well-known african drummers so it's a very hypnotic affair when you hear all these drummers playing together and they were superb then i guess time moves on and i became very briefly a scientist but i'll tell you something you can't have a conversation or a joke with a bacteria fungus or yeast (laughs) and i decided i really was a people person and my dream was always to be an actor which i did So I did 17 years of theatre, I went into the TV soaps, did most of the TV soaps, and ended up doing feature films, and that was a brilliant career for me. But then, in all our lives, we have things that can be a tragedy. Certainly for me, it happened maybe about 16 years ago, when my wife was violently attacked and murdered, and I was left with our two sons, who were four and six at the time. Not long afterwards, I went to see a clairvoyant, just for the sake of it. And this clairvoyant kept harping on at me to write. She says, it's here. It's all laid out for you. You must write. Well, I took no notice for maybe about a year. And then I decided to put down all my thoughts about whatever happened to my wife, together with lots of little positive tips. The book is called Just Five More Minutes. And that book has gone on to be a bestseller and still works its way around the world now. And I do get lots of emails and letters from people who've said that it's helped them enormously. And I always said to myself right at the beginning, if I can just help one person, I'll be happy. It has, in fact, gone on to help a lot more. So I started writing books. To date, I've written 27. And my classic work, if I can call it that, is a trilogy, a fantasy trilogy called The One Chronicles. Again, One of my other dreams was to make this into a film, maybe even a TV series. And that's where I'm on the cusp now, together with an award-winning screenwriter, of having it taken up by one of the production companies and producers in America to become a TV series, The One Chronicles. So that's quite an exciting time for me. We've already decided on principal characters, uh, already that we've been putting out little trailers. So very soon that should be going into production. So at the same time, all that was running by, I also decided to set up, because I'm into fitness, my own fitness brand, and I've called it Ket Fusion. We use kettlebells and there's martial art exercises. Well, that went on to reach up to the dizzy heights of being third in the fitness brand market in the UK and is also now in some European countries. So that was great fun. That ticks away. uh, And I'm really pleased with this as well. Time went on and I decided to be a foster carer. My two sons were moving out and I thought, I've got some room free. What can I do to help? And I particularly like working with children. So I thought, OK. I spent five intensive months becoming a foster carer. Then at the very last minute, For some reason, my sons wanted to move back home with problems that they had. So suddenly I had no room. So what could I do? It's been nearly 40 years since I picked up a paintbrush and did what we call in the UK my A-level art. It's what 17 and 18-year-olds do as a normal statutory exam. So I picked up an old brush, bought some very cheap acrylic paints, and three and a half months ago from today, I decided to start painting. I've had several commissions, three from America. I've sold a lot of the paintings and still working on commissions now. And I love it to bits. It's great, great fun. You can always spot me in the crowd. I'm the one with bits of paint all over my hands and face. I should start wearing gloves, really, shouldn't I? So that's been a great inspiration for me, too. But it all points back to this idea of being creative, whether you're writing books, you're painting a picture, for me being on stage. And let's not forget, even with my fitness brand, and I used to present Ketfusion to very large fitness groups, I'm on a stage there as well. So it was fulfilling all my sort of ideas and my aspirations. And I loved it to bits. It was great fun. Becoming a successful author is difficult. I've changed my philosophy about it quite a few times. And I've ended up by telling people I don't write these books for other people. I write my books for myself. If other people like them, that's great. Somehow it takes away all that stress about, will I be a bestseller? Will it sell so many million copies? And I don't know, life is so much better now I've been there. And for all this aspiring authors that are there, the technical side of writing a book, of formatting it, of getting it edited and so on, It's pretty straightforward. The difference then comes from that finished book and getting it promoted to become, for example, a bestseller. It's like you've been walking along and come to the edge of the Grand Canyon. And on the other side of the Grand Canyon is the best-selling side of things. So you really have to sort of work very hard at it. But my other advice would be think about something else that you can do as well to tide you over. You need to. So the chances of becoming a bestseller are very difficult, but you've got that perseverance there. It will work out for you in the end. So I've got a number of websites, one for the the books, which is www.thewand.me, and also one for my paintings now, which is www.michaelrossart.co.uk. It's all working really well now I keep my time is actually very busy but I'm so looking forward to being here with the relatable voice Lucia and these other wonderful guests and uh, in many ways although not directly I look forward to meeting all of you now I'm going to finish off with something it might sound corny to you but i one of my philosophers and I love it and that is we're all friends it's just that I've not met you all yet take care bye-bye
0: And next, we have Sandy Rodriguez. Hello, my name is Sandy Rodriguez.
2: I'm very excited to be a part of this book event and even more excited to be able to connect with you in these upcoming minutes. I am a former editorial coordinator for one of the foremost newspapers in Latin America, but I have been living in Los Angeles for several years now. And I recently wrote a book titled choose to prevail. I'd like to tell you a little bit about this book. I'd like to tell you about what it is and also about what it isn't. As to what it is, well, it's a brief conversational book that is meant to help the reader feel more self-accepting and more self-confident as they move through their life or as they move through their day. And what it contains is a collection of chapters focused on many different topics with the intention of providing insights to help the reader overcome challenges of different types let me tell you a little bit about the contents of the book what you will find inside well one of the things you'll find is how sad thoughts can paradoxically be the antidote to everyday annoyances Uh, I will also share how I lost my crippling fear of public speaking literally overnight. I'll tell you about how it was that a tiny apartment helped tenants attract a spouse. We'll talk about how we can reinvent ourselves at any age using the power of words. There's also a chapter on how to deal with problem people, for example, frenemies how we can maybe keep whatever good they bring into our lives while minimizing any negative impact there's another one about why we should never feel jealous of anybody else we'll also discuss about having haters and how that can surprisingly be flattering maybe even useful We'll talk about a number of other topics, including um, how our fashion choices and grooming choices can impact our lives and how we can also become much more self accepting when it comes to our appearance, while also using uh, things such as fashion and grooming to our advantage. Of course, we'll talk about the importance of exercise, if that's something that people can do, and how to motivate oneself to exercise if need be how to deal with grief also that's another very big topic that is touched upon oh and there's another one that i really like which is uh, a time management technique that could potentially save you money i'm an extremely busy person and i get the feeling that you might be extremely busy too i'm a single mom i'm also a person that has a full-time job as a court interpreter in the largest courthouse in the in the world actually Um, I'm an amateur winemaker, I'm a fitness enthusiast, I paint occasionally, I just have a lot of things going on. I'm a magazine editor. Now, I get the feeling that you might also be equally busy, maybe your activities are not the same ones as mine, but I get the feeling that a lot of people out there are very, very busy, and this uh, chapter about time management might be useful. Especially since there's a little tip in there that might help you sell you money, uh, which is also quite, quite useful. And, well, there are many other topics in here that you might enjoy. For example, how to feel comfortable when you're alone, because there is a very big difference between being alone and being lonely. Uh, We'll also talk about the importance of reading and how to get into reading if that's something you would like to do more of, why it's uh, a great. Option for keeping yourself entertained. It's it's inexpensive. It can surprisingly become um, a way to attract friends into your life. It's it's uh, an interesting chapter as well. I think. In any case, that's basically what Choose to Prevail is: a collection of chapters on different subjects that will help you overcome different types of challenges and provide insights that you might not have thought of before and. I think that you will find helpful maybe not all topics will resonate but some will and then you can go back and reread the ones that are useful to your situation at any moment that you feel the need now let me tell you what choose to prevail is not it's not your typical self-help book in many regards. Firstly, it's not a prescriptive book. It doesn't say do this necessarily. This is a step, this is a hack, this is a thing that you forcibly have to do, and if you're not doing it, then you're doing it wrong. Well, no, that's not something that you will find here. It's also not a workbook. In other words, it doesn't have a lot of blank space for you to fill out. There are no bullet points, no um, acronyms, it's nothing like that. It's, it's very readable. There are touches of humor in there. And you will not find an excessive amount of um, insistence on positivity. You will never find that anything that says something like, smile the whole world smiles with you, or attitude is everything, or anything in, uh, in that vein. And also, it's not a book about magical thinking. It's not something that you will find there either. No, uh, nothing that says everything is in your mind and you have the power to manifest everything uh, in exactly the way that pleases you. No, this is something different. And I'm happy to report that readers have responded so wonderfully to the book. It really touches my heart and it makes me feel so, so happy the choose to prevail actually won a couple of awards it won the reader's favorite silver medal in the grief and hardship category and excitingly it also won the international latino book awards in the health and wellness category the international latino book awards is actually the largest uh, latino awards event or latino cultural event in the u.s and Let me tell you, don't feel, in case you're not Latino yourself, don't feel that you won't be able to relate. Actually, um, the book has also been very well received by other types of sources, for instance, the Midwest Book Review and a number of international sources, and I think you'll enjoy it. In fact, one of the chapters starts off by mentioning something that I would like to read you okay let me tell you something i myself am psychic and i can prove it i know that sometimes you yes you you listening i know that you're sometimes overly critical of yourself and you probably wonder if you've made the right decisions i think sometimes you feel misunderstood or lonely You're probably faced with financial concerns and other responsibilities that you're not sure that you can live up to. I also think that you have your secrets, and I know for a fact that you lie every now and then. You'd be very mortified if people knew about your secret sexual fantasies, especially that one. You know what I'm talking about. However, you also know that in plenty of ways you're worthy of admiration and Maybe you feel that others should also appreciate you more, be more appreciative of the things that you do. Many of your character traits, both the good ones and the bad ones, can be traced back to when you were a teenager. I know that back then you developed your fundamental attitude toward life and a few insecurities, well, also a few skills that have served you well. I know that you value consistency in several areas of your life, but you also crave a certain degree of variety. I know that when routine starts kicking in, you feel restless every now and then. And, you know, there are many sides to your personality and nobody knows them all. Nobody can knows you fully, fully, fully. That's just not a thing. So, um, as you can see, I'm a psychic because I can tell a lot of things about you. Well, actually, no, Um, I'm obviously not a psychic. But this is something that describes pretty much everybody that exists in in uh, western societies and the reason i wanted to read you um, maybe ad living a little that part of the book is just to set your mind at ease uh, in the sense that even if you're not a latino author uh, author like myself or a latino reader or just a latino um, you will still enjoy the book i believe um, because there are just so many things that make us all much more similar than we are different So that's something to keep in mind, not only when selecting books to read, in other words, keeping an open mind, regardless of the origin or the geography or the background of the author or the subject matter, but also when moving throughout our day, most people that we encounter have so many things in common with us, even if they seem wildly different. And just that insight is something that will make uh, interactions a little bit more smooth. We all have a lot of things in common, even if it doesn't appear that way on the surface. Um, Well, I also wanted to let you know, since we have a couple of seconds, that um, one of the chapters that people have responded very well to and choose to prevail is the one regarding fashion and physical appearance in general. This uh, chapter contains information and tips, not only for women, but also for men. But I wanted to mention something that is very popular right now in 2022, which is called dopamine dressing. It's a trend that is based on the idea of dressing in bright colors to help boost your mood. That's something that's really worth uh, trying out. You might think, well, that's too simple, too simplistic. Really, give it a try. It's something very, very surprising. You get the benefit of color therapy throughout the day uh, when you're wearing something, say, bright yellow, bright orange, bright red. It's really very, very interesting. Plus, people perceive you to be more confident, so that's also something interesting. Really, try it. If you wear yellow, you will feel a boost in your energy throughout the day. Uh, If you wear, for example red you might feel more powerful throughout the day that's something that maybe you might think that you would feel um, overly self-conscious in an outfit like that but I think that the upsides outweigh any any possible self-consciousness that you would feel from the outset but then it would just um, fall away dopamine dressing is mostly about self perception in any case. So even if you're working from home or if you're only doing Zoom calls, it's very interesting because when you choose an outfit that you look good in and that you enjoy, and especially if it has this type of a bright color uh, to it, it really makes a world of a difference. It will make you see yourself in a way that creates a positive emotion. And it's, it's really very, very, very interesting. When you're in your pajamas all day and you haven't showered, even if nobody sees you, even if you're not turning the camera on when you're doing Zoom calls or anything like that, your attitude really changes. Give it a try. It's something that will raise your level of self-confidence and the way, how assured you feel, how sure of yourself you feel. It's, It's really something quite interesting. I think that you will enjoy the chapter, which really dives deep into everything appearance-related. And this is also a topic that is important to discuss in this day and age, especially now that while we do want to do away as a society with things such as lookism or pretty privilege, and definitely body positivity is something that's come into vogue uh, very um, strongly in recent years, Even though that is definitely a fact, and that's also something that is discussed, we can still, within the confines of being self-accepting and self-loving, do things that will really make the world perceive us in an entirely different way, with minor adjustments. So that's something that I believe you will enjoy in the book. And well, now I have run out of time, but I'm really Really happy to have been able to spend some time with you right now. I hope you enjoyed Choose to Prevail. I hope you enjoyed our time together. I certainly did.
3: Goodbye.
0: Our final guest today is Dr. Shoshana Fox. She chats about autism.
3: Are you a parent of a child who's received an autism diagnosis? Maybe you know a parent of such a child. Do you work in the field of autism? Maybe you're an educator training future therapists, or maybe you're just interested or curious about the topic of autism. Hi, my name's Dr. Shoshana Levine Fox, and I'm here to tell you a story of how playing with children has helped me to understand, to reach, even to assess, and certainly to help so many children who arrived at my office With a diagnosis of autism. A little bit about my background. I'm a child psychologist, a trained play therapist, an autism specialist, and recently the author of a book on autism called An Autism Casebook for Parents and Practitioners, The Child Behind the Symptoms. I live and work in Jerusalem, which is a long way from the small town in the Midwest where I grew up. I was really fortunate, years later, to be working at the Institute of a brilliant psychologist, Professor Reuven Feuerstein. You might not have heard of him, but he was really a, a remarkable man. He had a unique approach to psychology. It was creative, it was out of the box, and we were always, those of us working with the professor, were always looking for the strengths of the child. Often, just by using play to find those strengths and also coaching parents how to talk and play with their child, I often discovered that the diagnosis of autism really had been given to the child elsewhere incorrectly. Now, most of the children that came to my office had been diagnosed as autistic, as I said, beforehand, before they reached me. They'd been diagnosed at other clinics, hospitals, by other specialists and all of the above had used official formal criteria, symptom lists, particularly the symptoms that are listed in the DSM, which is the official volume manual of diagnoses, or sometimes using other formalized symptom checklists. But in working with the children who arrived with an autism diagnosis in my office, I opted not to use the DSM. I felt, when I had a good look at them, that they seemed to be, the criteria were too broad, too elastic. It felt like one size fits all. Fortunately, at the Feuerstein Institute, where I was working in Jerusalem, I was introduced to Dr. Serena Weider, who along with Dr. Stanley Greenspan had developed DIR floor time, which is a brilliant method for using developmental play to reach children who present as autistic. And it was a short hop for me from play therapy to DIR floor time. I actually use a combination of both. I used play to understand, to reach, to help, and as I mentioned before, even to assess whether the child was genuinely autistic or had been mistakenly Placed into that one size fits all autism spectrum diagnosis category. So, in my recently published book, An Autism Casebook, I've shared many stories about how I used play to get a deeper look at the strengths and abilities behind the symptoms the child was showing me, which is why I called my book An Autism Casebook dot, 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 the child behind the symptoms. So I'd like to share with you one of the most exciting stories of playing with children who present in the first 10 minutes as autistic. And I'll tell you the story of three-year-old Sammy. Okay, Sammy walked into my small office with his parents. He was absolutely adorable little three-year-old, but there were some challenges. He didn't look at me or at his parents. He was not talking. He was basically ignoring us, but he was interested in objects. So he spied my open toy cupboard and he began rummaging around in there. And as he was doing that, of course, all the toys were falling on the floor. So I thought, well, this is a bit of a mess. So I thought, well, I'll just take out a few that are most likely that that would interest him. And I put them out on the floor and closed and locked in fact the cupboard door sammy was furious he threw a royal tantrum slammed himself on the floor was screaming he was just furious at being denied to to be able to explore the toy cupboard and he wouldn't accept any calming intervention not from his parents and certainly not from me i was a stranger but interestingly after this very intense tantrum He was very, very calm and much happier. All of a sudden, it's like a light went on in his head and he knew what he wanted to do. He started taking all the little chairs and the big chairs in my office and he formed a great curving line of chairs that led to the top of my desk. He seemed to know what he was doing. There was a lot of purposefulness in what he was doing. So I thought, okay, I just stood back and watched. What did he do after he had the line of chairs set up he climbed over his line of chairs to the top of my desk and he spoke for the first time and he said 1 2 3 jump and he jumped onto the carpet not a big jump just the top of my from the top of my desk he applauded himself and then he looked at his mom and he looked at his dad as he was applauding to make sure they were applauding too and they were appreciating his wonderful jump. He repeated this activity many times, not in a perseverative way, he was having a ball. He was thoroughly enjoying himself and enjoying the fact that the audience, namely his parents and myself, were really uh, appreciating what he was doing. Now take a look at the difference. The diagnosis in the referral material had said, autism. But look at all the developmental strengths his play revealed. For example, he showed an ability to plan. He lined up all those chairs. He certainly showed an ability to speak and his speech was relevant. One, two, three, jump. What else do you need? So I had the sense there was a lot of language in that little boy. He showed anticipation. One, two, three, jump. an understanding of anticipation. There was motor planning, first of all, planning and arranging the chairs, and secondly, conducting many well-executed jumps onto the carpet. He was enjoying connection with others, his parents and myself. There was a sense of fun, excitement, and enthusiasm, just like a typically developing little three-year-old. So... Behind what appeared to be some worrisome, challenging symptoms, the play revealed there was the most wonderful little boy here with a lot of potential. So seeing all those strengths that Sammy showed me in his play was just the beginning of our journey of several years together using play. And it was such a positive process of growth. So fast forward a couple of years, and by age five, Sammy had a wonderful play imagination. He was enjoying playing pretend play scenarios, like creating a doctor's office for the dolls in my room. He was speaking almost at age level. He had a great sense of humor. Sammy had come a long way. So in summary, thinking creatively, intervening through play, and working outside the box, not being bound by symptom lists, not being bound by the diagnosis, rather using play. And I used, as I mentioned before, a combination of play therapy and DIR floor time. Using play in that way has helped me to help so many children who arrived at my office with a diagnosis of autism. It's been gratifying work. And Sammy was just one of those stories. What am I doing now? I'm consulting and teaching in the field of autism. I'm continuing my play therapy practice in Jerusalem. And yes, I'm still using play to assist children thought to be autistic. If you happen to read an autism casebook, please contact me by way of the Gmail address you'll find on my website. I really love hearing from readers. Thank you so much.